Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. What's up, YouTube? I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries. SoundTheTrumpetMinistries.com. And today I want to do a teaching called Fruit Inspectors. Fruit inspectors. Now, why I'm going to go here tonight, and I believe that the Lord led me to this particular thing, is because, you know, I did a teaching I remember about uh, two years ago called The Enemy Within and The Enemy Without. The Enemy Within and The Enemy Without. And one of the things that the Lord was also showing me is when we go into ministry and we begin to do the things of God, one thing that God wants for us is obedience. He wants our obedience to be fulfilled. He wants us in a place where we're not going to live and walk in hypocrisy. We're going to live and walk in the ways of God. Hey, Sister Sarah. So I believe that the Lord was leading me to this particular thing is because, you know, it's so important that we're not just hearers of the word, that we also become doers that our lives become a living example unto the things that the Lord calls us to do. And I think that for the most part, you know, we really need to understand what it is to be, you know, truly born again and to give our bodies and all things over to Jesus Christ, that he may live in them and that he may govern them. So that's really important. That's a very important thing when it comes to pursuing the Lord and doing everything that he tells us to. Also, um, you know, I remember uh, Brother Rashid one day, I think it was shortly after the conference. One of the things that Brother Rashid said that always stuck with me, I mean, that was back in July, was that he mentioned that, you know, he believes that the curse upon all men is that they can't walk together as men, that they just can't be brethren, that they just can't you know, do the things that God called them to without there being some type of dissimulation, without there being some type of, you know, um, separation or competition and, you know, all these things. And I 100% agree with him because I feel like if we're the body of Christ and we're the body of Christ, we ought to edify, we ought to help others to grow, to do the things that God calls us to that we're not supposed to be enemies of each other in doing such things. So we're going to be talking about fruit inspectors tonight. We're going to be talking about the right way to inspect fruit. We're also going to be talking about, you know, knowing people by their fruits, because I think that this is not a time for you and I that, you, that we can walk around blind and believing whatever we want. We must see the enemy within and without, okay, because the devil has many faces. He masks himself in many ways. He'll say and do things that God has never, you know, God wants us to be aware of. He tells us to be sober, to be vigilant, because our adversary, who was the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. So we've got to get to the place of 
knowing people by their fruit. We've got to know our own fruit. We've got to choose to be sanctified and, and give all things over to the Lord that we may walk with him and be what he has called us to be. So that's just so important, guys. And that's what we're gonna be talking about tonight. We're also going to be addressing the religious spirit because I don't know any spirit more repulsive than the religious spirit. A religious spirit, you know, enjoys to look outwardly good and will try and hold you to their standards and their rules and their rituals. Hey, Brother Sal, and all the things that, you know, they want to do, but really deep down, you know, they're, they're depressed people that got their own woes, their own issues. They don't even know the Lord because God doesn't deal with religious folks. He calls them out into the wilderness that they may seek Jesus Christ in the soul, in a personal relationship, that they may join to the Lord in spirit. So we're gonna be talking about the religious spirit tonight. We're gonna to be talking about inspecting fruit, ours and the fruit of others. And we're gonna be talking about the proper way to do these things because I believe wholeheartedly that, you know, that is the curse upon men, that they cannot walk together. And the reason is, is because they all wanna stake their own claim, do their own thing, make themselves look good, envy, jealousy. I mean, there's just a number of things. And these are the works of the flesh. They've got nothing to do with the spirit of God. So that's what we're gonna be talking about tonight. You know, truly being people of God, how to conduct ourselves when we call ourselves Christians, and how to walk together as brethren, because that's what God wants for his people. All right, so let's pray, guys, and we're gonna get right into this lesson. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for another day, another day not promised to us. And we just ask, Lord God, that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time that you've given me with my brothers and sisters near and far, that we have yet another day to be partakers of your word, to be edified by your spirit, Lord, that we may choose life and not death. And we just pray, Lord, let no man's heart be heard in this teaching. We pray, Lord God, that no flesh be glorified, but we pray that you send the comforter, that you send the Holy Ghost, that you send he that is meant to bring us into all truth and righteousness, that our Lord, our God tonight, that he will speak, that he will penetrate the heart, that he will penetrate the mind, because Lord, if you can't be heard, then Lord, then people are just not listening. So we just pray, Lord God, tonight, because you are the only true God. You are the only one that if you don't intervene, that we will all be damned. So I just pray, Lord, for your presence. I pray for your wisdom. I pray for your counsel. I pray, Lord, for the words to speak, that they will be heard and understood, that people may choose you and not go to hell for hypocrisy. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and worthy of all praises. So we just pray, Lord, that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention or confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, and hatred, all spirits of fear, doubt, and unbelief. We pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you cast the devil down like the dog that he is, that your people may get the victory in you this day. So we just thank you, Lord, for who you are and how you are 
and that you have given us a chance that we may get to know you, that we may be like you. We pray, Lord, and we ask that all these things be done for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so let's get right into this lesson as we talk about fruit inspectors, okay? Fruit inspectors. So let's go to Matthew chapter seven. Hey, Sister Teresa, hope all is well with you and your family. Uh, so let's go to, um, let's see, Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter seven. And we're gonna begin at verse one as we talk about fruit inspectors. You know, one thing that I've never appreciated about a religious spirit is it just won't let you worship the Lord and do the will of the Lord the way that the Lord calls you to. Hey, Sister Naima, a religious spirit just has a way. And I remember I had one and I still look for vestiges of this in me. When you want people to perform for you, to do the things that you call them to, you know the only way, your way is 100% right. And you try to cut cookies to make people like you are. You know, and, and that's the religious spirit at its best, where it won't allow the spirit of God to work with you. You will become lords over God's heritage, and you will hold everybody up to your standards. And, you know, that's the dirtiest, nastiest, filthy thing that is, because one thing we know about God is God has given us all a chance to get to know him, that we may grow and be strengthened in his grace that we may obey and follow and serve him. That's important. Hey, Sister Latoya. So the thing here is that we're looking at is, when we talk about fruit inspectors, fruit inspectors are those type of individuals that just walk around and, you know, they just can't let you be. They've always, oh, so what are you doing here? Oh, I don't like the way he looked. Oh, I don't think that that is proper praise and worship. Oh, you know, yeah, the doctrine was okay, but there are things about it that I don't like. Okay, I'm skipping a little. So um, if I'm skipping, guys, please let me know. Sister Sarah's saying that, but it might just be her connection. It is raining out here in the great Northwest. So that could have something to do with the streaming. But one thing the Lord had to tell me is to ease back. You know, he's been telling me, yeah, you can tell the truth, but you let the spirit of God lead people in the ways that they ought to go. Now, that doesn't mean to abandon the word and serve God and do what he says. That means to let the grace of God work in someone's life that when the truth is brought to them, that they might receive it. Okay, because we're all made different. God made us differently. He knows each one of us and he knows what sins we were in before we came to the Lord. He knows how broken we were. He knows the very moment that certain demons might have entered into you. And he knows above all what it's going to take to get these things out of you. But man, a self-righteous Pharisee and a religious spirit, which we're gonna be talking about tonight, they won't do that. They will try and push you down to make themselves look good. And you know that's not what it's all about. This is about preaching the gospel that souls might be set free. You know, one of my most memorable times at the conference in July was I remember Pastor Price got up and, you know, he was speaking and, you know, he was bringing the word like Pastor Price does and edifying and doing everything. Okay, that was day one. We listened to a video of Jacob Prash about the kiss of Judas. 
Then the next day, Brother Rashid gets up. And I mean, he's, you know, preaching the word and bringing understanding and edifying. And I mean, it was like he was um, having fun, you know, while he was out there preaching the word, you know, and everything. And, you know, I got a lot from it. And I was like, praise the Lord. You know, and Pastor Price, um, I don't think he taught that day, but the following day, you know, I had to get up and speak. And, you know, I remember being a little nervous being there with the crowd, but hey, you know, Pastor Price said, go up there and do what you do. So I went up there, you know, I spoke, I gave the word and, you know, Brother Rashid was there like, man, good message. Brother Baines was like, yeah, man, you know, good word. Pastor Price went up and gave me a hug. And I'm not saying that this is what we need to be edified, but the point I'm making is what I saw there were brothers joined together in unity, bringing the word, you know, gracious at the words that God was doing we were walking together as men. And I remember right after I um I taught, Brother Baines got up. And I mean, man, he you want to talk about a brother that can pray. I mean, he got up and prayed. I mean, hardcore. Where Sister Sarah said when she was home, it felt like, you know, something in her was trying to bust out of her, you know? So it was just nice to see brethren together while we were there, while we were, you know, praising the Lord, while God was strengthening us and, and, and building us, that that's the type of thing that should be taking place within the body of Christ. We should never be to the place where we become jealous and envious of one another, you know? And, and even if, you know, that does come to be, and I've told brethren, even if they see anything wrong with me, anything that I'm doing wrong, man, then pick up the phone and call me. Pick up the phone and tell me about it, because that's how the Bible says that we ought to do things. He says that if your brother, you find fault with him, you ought to bring it to him. And if he won't receive it, then go and get two or three more people to come and talk about it, you know? And if he won't receive it, then bring it before the church. And if they refuse to receive it, then, then you know what? He says to just leave him as a heathen or publican. That is the way things are done. I told my brethren within ministry, hey, man, if I got a situation, man, call me and tell me what's going on. Tell me what's up that I may receive it and make it right. But to try and, you know, go out and down people and belittle them and try and teach lessons to try and hurt people, and you ain't even picked up the phone and called that person, man, that's a coward. That's not even a man. That's not even a man to go and actually tell people what they need to know. So I just pray, you know, that there's no backbiting. You know, I pray that brothers in the Lord, wherever they are, that they can be joined together in unity and be strong, because that's what this is about. I did a teaching once about a spirit of soul. And one thing that Saul would do is fight amongst his own. You know, Saul would always fight David, who was a type of Jesus Christ. He would never go and fight the enemy. When Goliath was out there presenting himself for um, 40 days, you know, cursing God and everything else, Saul wouldn't do anything. He and his men that identified with him stood there. But when David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that he was ready to bring the fight to the enemy. Then you found what happened with Saul was, Saul was like kind of, you know, just sitting there and David's brothers, oh, David, I know your haughtiness and your pride. But you see, one thing people don't understand is that true Christians only have one enemy and that is the devil. 
True Christians do not fight amongst themselves. True Christians lift one another up the way that needs to be done, that we may edify, that we may strengthen. That's what this whole thing is about. And you know, if we're gonna inspect fruit, let's inspect fruit the right way. Hey brother, I realize you had an error there. Hey sister, I realized something that you did was kind of wrong. So, you know, I just want to tell you this for edification so in the future you may notice it. And if I see it that way, if I can see the fault in myself, and even if I don't, I'll pray about it. But the bottom line is that's what the body of Christ is all about. Hey sister Dawn, that's what we're about. We don't fight one another, we don't envy one another, we don't bite and devour one another because we are all that we have. If we are the body of Christ and you won't know on your own hand, okay, just to try and, you know, eat, then you're not going to do it to one another, okay? That's what we're going to be talking about because, you see, the Pharisees operated in that manner. The Pharisees never even asked Jesus honest questions. They always looked for ways to entangle or to ensnare him. So, you know, Jesus didn't give some of them the time of day, and when he did, he laid into them and told them what they need to know so that they may be made right with him. Because we're going to expect fruit. We got to make sure that we got ourselves together. We've got to make sure that we are seeing things through clear eyes. Because if not, we're going to fight and devour one another. All because we envy or we can't stand another person, but we want to lift ourselves up. How many of y'all heard Pastor Price's message today? Man, what a message. Praise the Lord. Much of the things that he was saying, the Lord was putting on my heart to say. But you see, Pastor Price was bringing the truth today. He was bringing something that we can all learn from and grow from. And that's why when you're in an atmosphere where the truth is being told, it cleanses the atmosphere and keeps everything in line with God. That's what this whole thing is about, man. So let's get right into this lesson. You guys have heard enough of my mouth. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and let's begin at verse 1, as we talk about the fruit inspectors. Thank you, Jesus. I hope my brothers and sisters are doing well out there. Hey, Melissa. Matthew 7, guys, look at verse 1. It says, judge not that ye be not judged. But with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure of meat, it shall be measured to you again. So this is important because we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is the true judge. We know that when he judges, he judges justly. He judges righteously. So we ought to be in that place where we've got things right. Because he says not to not judge. He says, but in what manner ye judge, ye shall be judged, okay? Look at verse three. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? You know, the Lord shows me this about myself at times where, you know, he calls it straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel. We should be in the place of not majoring in minors. We should be looking at what is edifying, what is righteous, what does God want for me? Because you see, it is one thing to judge a situation righteously, then that's a good thing. But if you judge, if you, if you judge as a hypocrite, 
Man, then that's one of the dirtiest things you can do. You can tell people to stop doing what they're doing, but your whole situation is messed up. You know, and what you find with the spirit of hypocrisy is that those people who really do hypocrite around, who really do unrighteousness, who really don't have control over their own lives, they're the first to try and point out someone else's. I remember this in school. This was so funny, man. Like the Lord, I don't know why he's bringing us to my attention, but you know how guys would snap on each other and what they would call roast, you know, try and get at one another for how someone looks. I always had this thing in me that when I saw, you know, one kid making fun of another kid's sneakers, I would always turn and look at that kid and look at his sneakers. Like, is he one to talk? <laughs> and I think that God looks at us in the very same manner. God looks at us in such a way where, you know, if we're going to openly talk about what is filthy, then we can't be walking in filth. Because what I used to do was look at the person that they were talking about, and then I would turn around and look down at the other person's shoes. Oh, okay. He's got new shoes. Okay, I, I can see. You know, but when you're one that's talking about people, hey, Sister Tanisha, when you're talking about people and people turn around and look at your shoes and yours are turned over, who are you to speak? So this is why we've got to get to that place of understanding that we can't judge as hypocrites. We must judge righteously. We must allow the Lord to take the speck out of, um, I mean, the beam out of our own eyes that we can see the speck that is in our brother's eyes and we can judge a situation righteously. This is how you inspect fruit. You can't inspect fruit if you don't know what a clean fruit is from a rotten fruit. You know, we've got to know what is right and what is unright, that these things may be right. So anyway, he says, or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye and behold the beam that is in thine eye, thine own eye, thou hypocrite. First cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. So that's important that we really get an understanding of this because, you know, the beam that is in our eyes can cause us to judge a situation wrongly. Like, for example, you guys are all my brothers and sisters online. All you know about me is that I preach the word. You know, some of you I reach out to, some of you reach out to me and we talk. You know, I ask you guys if you need prayer, you guys will come to me or ask me if I need prayer. You know, and this is what we do. But outside of that, that would be funny for you guys to tell me, you know what, Derek, I don't enjoy your ministry because of the fact that what you guys do, what you guys do in ministry. And I would have to say to you, how do you know what goes on in our ministry? All you see on Tuesday nights are us just sitting in the living room talking, but you don't know the full work of the ministry that we go out and do. So you see, it's important that we get a perspective that we can only talk about those things that we know and the things that we don't know, we leave alone because of the fact that God is going to judge us for every little thing that we say, every little thing that we proclaim to believe, and we don't want to be judged as we judge others if we are judging unrighteously. That's just important for us to look at and to see, you know? So anyway, he says, uh, look at verse six, give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Neither cast ye your pearls before swine, 
lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Ask and it shall be given, it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man can say thereof uh, you whom it, <laughs> what man, I'm sorry, uh, or what man is there of you whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto children, your children, how much more shall your father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Therefore, all things whatsoever uh, ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, but this is the law and the prophets. So he tells them, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way which leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. So as Christians, and as we have mentioned in previous teachings, guys, we've got to get to the place of, you know, understanding that this is a terrifying passage. Why is it that so many people who proclaim to be Christians won't make it into the kingdom of God? These are things that we need to look at and pay attention to, because you know what? If there is anything within us that is not straight, if there is anything in us that is crooked, if the motives and the intents of our hearts are not right, we are going to be judged for those things. So we must get to the place of entering in at the straight gate. That's just not walking through the straight path. You yourself have to be straight that you may enter in. Because if you've got broad doctrine, if you've got ulterior motives, if you've got hate and hypocrisy, if you've got um, you know all these different things that keep us from going through that gate more than one God, you know, or whatever, then we're not going to make it in. We've got to look at this straight gate. Look at verse 14, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. So we know that most people are going to go to hell because I personally believe they like to outwardly perform, but inwardly they can't live it. Because if you imagine, guys, all the churches that are in the world, all the people proclaiming themselves to be Christians, how can it be a narrow way? How can it be that few find the way? I'll tell you what it is. A lot of people may hear the doctrine. A lot of people may know what the Bible says. Hey, Brother Daryl, but they can't live it because they refuse to get to know the person of Jesus Christ, which transforms us from faith to faith, glory to glory. The broad way is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The narrow way is the tree of life. Paul says that all I know is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's all Paul was concerned with. Paul counted all the things that he had known before as dumb that he may win Christ. That is the narrow way. The narrow way is to cling to the tree of life, obey Jesus Christ, and follow after the things that he wants. But the tree of knowledge of good and evil, those things that cause us to be dual-minded, those things that cause us to be lifted up in pride, 
those things that cause us to envy and to fight and to devour one another, those are the things that destroyed men because men try and find alternative ways to be righteous. They find alternative ways to be healthy. They find alternative ways to have wisdom and to walk in God's power. But what they do is when they don't go in through the narrow way, they will receive the broad way and they will do whatever feels right in their sight and not according to the spirit of God, which leads men in the way of everlasting. Few there be that find the way. Look at verse 15. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You know, Pastor Price said today, and I talked to Brother Sal about this yesterday, that it's a funny thing when, you know, Pastor Price always said, you know, get sanctified, but don't take the hood out of you. What he meant was not living the hood lifestyle, but you know, keep your eyes and your ears open that you may see and you may understand. Because you know, in the hood, you had to have a different type of mentality where you couldn't walk around blinded. You had to actually see what was going on. And, and the funny thing is that, you know, I was one of those people who could read between the lines. I understood double talk, double language. I understood, you know, what they would call undertalk how you would, you know, speak about a situation, but, you know, in my heart, what I'm really trying to tell you is something else, okay? Or uh, I forgot what they call it, like indirectly. You need the spirit of discernment in the Lord to be able to know these things, man, because a lot of false prophets will get up there and appear righteous and appear like they're doing the right things. But you see, God looks at the motives and the intents of the heart that we may have an understanding of him and go after him. Why would you say a certain thing? Is the purpose to edify or is the purpose to destroy and puff yourself up? These are things that we must pay attention to because you see, God's gonna judge every matter, every word that comes out of my mouth and everything that we do. So he says, beware of these false prophets because they're not gonna look like false prophets. These are gonna be times, guys, where you and I cannot trust our eyes and our ears. We need the discernment of spirit that we may know what is of God and, and what is not. Because as the devil ramps this thing up, you are going to see that, you know, good and evil are going to look very similar. They're going to look almost like the same thing, but it's going to take the, the spirit of God to be able to reveal to us what is righteous and what is unrighteous. Amen, Sister Latoya. It is discernment. Look at verse 16. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Whereby, wherefore, by their fruits, you shall know them. So we've got to truly be what the Lord calls us to. We need the true organic growth in Christ that we may become righteous trees that will bear or bring forth good fruit that we can be fruitful in the kingdom of God. Outwardly performing, being religious, joining institutions and doing all these things, 
These things will not save you. You must be of another life. You must be a new man. You must be dead to self and alive to Christ that he may work these things out in our lives. I remember Pastor Price calls it that thing. You know, at times you can feel all goodly and sanctified with the Lord and serving him. And you can be there at work. And let's just say, you know, something happens and you find yourself reverting to the flesh and you say to yourself, yep, Lord, I can still see some of that is still in me. I'm still angry. I'm still bitter. I'm still selfish. I'm still full of lust. I'm still afraid and ashamed to preach your gospel. These things need to be known in us that we can forsake them, ask the Lord to remove them, that he can that we can confess them and that he can clean us out from all unrighteousness. To outwardly appear that we are righteous when we are not is the surest way to go blind and fall off of a ditch. You've got to put your eyes on Jesus Christ that you may that he may reflect the motives and the intents that are within you that these things can be moved and we can truly be righteous trees. Look at verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? So there were people that thought, Lord, I was prophesying. My mouth was flowing. I felt inspired and I thought that it came from you. So I prophesied in your name. He says, and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You know, Pastor Price, I'm gonna check up this book that he mentioned about the latent power of the soul. But, you know, I'm beginning to get an understanding without even reading the book that the soul can mimic the spirit. The only difference is one comes from God, one is edifying, and one you won't be judged for for what you do. Why? Because it was God-inspired. But when it comes down to the soul, the soul can mimic because the soul wants to still be somebody. When we've got to die out to Christ, you know, die out to self, and give everything over to the Lord. That way, when he tells us to do a thing, we will do it. And guess what? We will be fruitful. But, you know, a lot of people here believe that they knew the Lord and he calls them workers of iniquity. They were wicked in their works. The motives of their heart and their intent wasn't right. They thought they were keeping it real and bringing it strong and doing what needed to be done because I'm just exposing. But really deep down, you came to hurt. You came to pillage and plunder. You came to defile. You came to assassinate. And because of that, you're going to be judged. So we better let the Lord work in us, clean us out, make us right that we may serve him because we're gonna find that our biggest enemy is that religious spirit, okay? So let's get right in, guys. Let's get right in. So let's go to Matthew chapter 12, guys, and let's look at verse one. Matthew 12 and look at verse one. And I'm gonna keep it real too. I'm gonna die out to me and get alive to Jesus. Cause I'm telling you, man, there were times I even remember ministering to people. And I thought that I was bringing the word, man, and telling people the truth. And you know what it was? It was the devil telling me, 
Yeah, man, that's how you say it. You go, you go, you go. And in the end, nobody won to the Lord. In the end, I showed this person how much I knew. In the end, I belittled this person. But deep down, I didn't do what God told me to. So you can be tricked, man. The devil just doesn't always stand in your way. The devil is an excellent ballroom dancer. If the devil knows that you've got a strong will, what he will do will water it. Okay, if the devil knows that you're cowardly, what he will do next is oppose you or try and lean on you. But if the devil sees that you can't, you know, he can't lean on you, then the devil will help you go the other way. He'll dance you all the way left and he'll dance you all the way right. But what God wants us to be in, and Pastor Price has preached for years, is to be in the middle of the road. So the devil is slick. He doesn't always oppose your will. He encourages you to keep going. Yeah, man, that's how you do it. You tell him, you go, you go. And then you'll be standing before God one day being judged for something that didn't come from him. Or he will try and oppose you or keep you from staying in the middle of the road. So he's slick. If you push back, he don't always you know, try and stop you. He'll keep you going. So you can go right past Jesus, straight into self-righteousness and religion and keep on moving. That's how the devil is. And he needs to be treated as a worthy adversary because we've got to get to the place of being alive, being alert, having understanding of who we are, that we may be what Jesus is. Look at Matthew 12, look at verse one. Matthew 12, and let's look at verse one. It says, at that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn and his disciples were in hunger and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, behold, thy disciples do that, which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. So here we go. Never even asking Jesus why he was doing it. All they know is the old written law about what's supposed to be done on the Sabbath day. Look at verse three, but he said unto them, have ye not read that David did uh, what David did when he was in hunger and they that were with him? How he entered into the house of God and did eat the shoe bread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priest. For have ye not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days, the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless. But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. This is what we're gonna be talking about tomorrow night as we talk about the Nakashtan, or uh, uh, let me pronounce it right. But anyway, we're gonna be talking about, you know, um, the Nakushtan, that's what it is. We're going to be talking about that tomorrow, and it's going to make a lot of sense. But you see, sometimes we can be so self-righteous. We'll hold other things as sacred, but we're not holding Jesus Christ, who is sacred. They misunderstood who the Son of Man was, who our Lord is, and they began to argue about the Sabbath day, not even recognizing, recognizing that they had the tree of life right in front of them. So Jesus said, hey, in this place is one greater than the temple. But if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Ye would not have condemned the guiltless. 
So the Lord is saying, I'm guiltless, guys. If you understood who the son of God is and who Jesus Christ is to us, then man, that should be our primary focus. For the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath day. So people want to keep the Sabbath, keep the Sabbath. But when you try and lean on me about I need to keep the Sabbath, then hey, man, you're wrong. Because the Bible says that we can choose whatever day that we want to serve. I choose not to hold the Lord down to one day. I want Jesus Christ in my life every single day. So those guys misunderstood that Jesus Christ is Lord of the Sabbath. If you've got Jesus, you've got the old covenant. If you grow in Jesus, you keep the commandments of God because you're being led by the law of the spirit, not the dead letter. That's important. It's one thing to know what the word of God says, and it's another thing to become what God wants. So, you know, these people are misunderstanding. Look at verse nine. And when he was departed thence, he went into the synagogue and behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, what man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep? And if it fall uh, into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and, and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, is it lawful to do well on the Sabbath days? So Jesus was bringing them right back to the two laws that he wanted us all to have and to know, which was to love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He says on those two commandments to hang all of the law and the prophets. So these people wanted to accuse Jesus. This is what you call fruit inspectors. They come to just, you know, find out what's going on and how they may critique you. I've sat in front of crowds of people that when they heard me speak, all they looked for was the error. They never went after the fruit, never went into the church to find out, okay, let's see how God may teach and edify. You got people that will hang around and hear you and say, ha ha, I got you. I got you. Because you said his name was Isaac but his name was Jacob. You see, that's a self-righteous religious spirit. That's a fruit inspector. That's someone that's examining your fruit so much that they can't even see their own fruit and what they need from the Lord. You gotta disregard those people. If they're telling you something right that is edifying, then so be it. But if not, you keep on walking with Christ and you do what God has called you to do. Look at verse uh, verse 13. Then saith he to the man, stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it forth and it was restored whole like as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him, how they might destroy him. So the question would be brought here, guys. What did Jesus do well, that was wrong? He came to restore someone who had a withered limb and all the Pharisees, these self-righteous guys could see was they, they pulled the council together how they would destroy him. You know what the problem is? They had the spirit of soul. You know what the problem is? They were intimidated. They couldn't just give Jesus the glory and ask him how he did what he did and desire to live and obey him. If I see a man wither a hand, 
I mean, or, or heal a withered hand and he's doing what is right, then man, I wanna know who this God's God is that I may be made whole. But when you're self-righteous and you're religious, all they're looking for is how they may destroy Jesus because they considered him a threat. Look at verse uh, 15. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence and great multitudes followed him and he healed them all and charged them that they should not make him known, but that it, that it might be fulfilled, uh, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him and he shall shew judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flex shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. And in his name shall the Gentiles trust. Then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb, and he was healed from, he was healed, and he healed him, sorry, insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? So you see, when Jesus did this work, people are saying, man, this is how the son of David was supposed to come. He was supposed to open the prison houses. He was supposed to set the captives free. He was supposed to heal them that are bruised. You read that in Isaiah 61. He was coming to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is who that we're supposed to be looking for. But these people, the common man could see it. Hey, Brock T, a blast from the past. How are you, my brother? But the point brought here was, is that they knew that this had to be a work of God. But look at verse 24 with these fruit inspectors. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts. You see how Jesus didn't even hear them, but he knew what they were thinking. That is the spirit of discernment. And said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Let that sink in for the body of Christ. For the men of God who wanna walk together, who God considers the foundation of this thing. Now we know Jesus Christ is the foundation, but you guys ever ask yourself how he chose 12 disciples? They were all men. And then from there, they became apostles and they distributed everything to the church. So men themselves play an important role in the body of Christ, okay? But the point is, if we're gonna walk together, we must understand that every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Because I can admit one thing to you guys, I hate the devil. Okay, while people are looking at what men are doing in the flesh, I'm looking at the devil behind them. I don't accuse people of certain things, man, without addressing those people. I don't you know, look at people and wanna fight against them. I'm looking at whatever is behind them, whatever the spirit is, and I won't let it rest. You know why? I wanna see captives set free. But that spirit of soul and that self-righteous spirit 
will only fight against his own. You know why? Because he's not a man. He's a coward. He's a coward. I see easy pickings when I can go to my workplace and preach the gospel. I see easy pickings among my brethren when I could be going out, going after someone who was unsaved and needs Jesus Christ. The spirit of Saul is not equipped for battle. He will not fight the devil. He will go around inspecting fruit, picking on those who are not his enemy because to him, it pushes him up and it pushes others down that he may have victory over them. Now, you guys remember even that situation with brother, you know, uh, with, with Michael Adams and, and John Watson that I debated. I'm not slinging mud on them. I went to those men and I talked to them about what, what they were teaching was false. And I tried to address them on a personal level before we went public. But the thing is, is my only intent wasn't to hurt them. It was to set those brothers free. I talked to them about what was because I truly wanted them to get saved. I wanted them to renounce that and to come to Christ. But it wasn't because I wanted to hurt them. It wasn't because I had a personal thing against them. It was more of, if we're going to walk, man, we know that doctrine separates. We need to get in line with the right doctrine that we may all walk with Christ. That's all it was about. That's all it was about. So you see, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. If we're going to be true men and women of God, we've got to edify and build up. That doesn't mean if Derek Hallett is wrong, you don't tell him. Hey, I'm expecting a phone call from you guys if you love me. If you love me, tell me where I'm wrong and let me examine it and let me see if I'm wrong or right. Why? Because I don't want to go to hell, okay? Look at verse 26. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. He says, but if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. For else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. He that is not with me is against me. He that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. I love how Pastor Price put this, and what he said is 100% true. If I'm a false prophet, if you're going to call somebody a false prophet, you better be right. Because if you're wrong, then you are blaspheming against the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why we got to be careful what we say, and we got to be careful what we hear, because that is an unpardonable sin to call someone a false prophet if, you, if, if they're not. Okay, so anyway, he says, look at verse 32. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in the world, neither in the world to come. So neither in this world or in the world to come. If we speak against the Holy Spirit, man, that's a dangerous place. So if we're going to call somebody a false prophet, 
call someone out, we better be right. We better be right because if we're not, it's going to cost us. This is why we must have our fruit right. We must walk with the Lord. We must have the Lord govern our minds, our hearts, our eyes, our ears, and everything in our mouths that we may do what he tells us to. Because the devil wants you to slip up. He wants you to commit sin like this. He wants you to go lift it up in pride and envy that he may destroy you. And you see, the Pharisees were so bent on trying to make a point so trying to see the wrong in Jesus that they could not see the right that it was in Jesus. You don't want that in your life, all right? So he says, look at verse 33, either make the tree good and his fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt for the tree is known by his fruit. So if we're not living it, you know, he says there's no way possible that a good tree can bring forth evil fruit. There is no way that a corrupt tree can bring forth good fruit. There is no way your nature will reveal the type of fruit that you have. And that's something we gotta keep in mind. As we go through this process of sanctification, yielding our vessels to the Lord and growing in his grace, we must allow the Lord to raise us up and bring us up right that we might truly be righteous trees, not the appearance of righteous trees, not a cut out picture of a righteous tree, but to be truly righteous trees of the divine nature of Jesus Christ, that we won't be judged by him. Okay. So anyway, he says, uh, let's see, look at verse 34. Oh, generation of vipers. He's talking to the Pharisees. How can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So that's a good indicator, guys. What comes out of our mouths tells us exactly what is in our hearts. He says we cannot speak good things if we are evil. Look at verse 35. A good man out of a good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of an evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. So what we must understand here too is when he talks about good and evil, it has nothing to do with the gospel, okay? Our gospel is to tell the truth, okay? It is to bring the good news to tell people that Jesus Christ has become the remedy for all men that we might be saved and not go to hell. That is the true gospel that we won't take, that Jesus Christ took our place and we believe on him, that we might be justified and we may be saved. That does not mean not tell people the truth, just tell people kind and nice things. No, some things need to be exposed, but the intent behind why they are exposed is what we're going to be judged for. Anybody can quote scripture. The devil quoted scripture, Psalm 91 and Luke 4 and Matthew 4, but his intent wasn't to edify. His intent was to get Jesus to disobey God. He was going to try and defame the son of man. He was going to try and get Jesus to obey him so that Jesus could be corrupted. He said, if you're the son of man, cast yourself down and the angels themselves will bear thee up. What was the devil pushing on Jesus? The pride of life. If you know your identity in Christ, guys, don't you perform for anybody. You be led by the spirit in what he's calling you to do. Because a lot of people feel like, may feel like at some point, you're not humble enough. I don't see the humiliation that I'm looking for. 
And if that is your mentality, you better look at the humiliation that you need and you better get right with Christ. But you see, some people just want to hold you to their standard. And, and as, as children of the Lord, as of the body of Christ, don't you perform for men. When people want to tell you, I've never heard someone speak in tongues, or if you're really, you're really baptized in the spirit, let me hear you speak with tongues. No, you go according to what the Lord tells you to do, because the devil wants you to perform for him that you may not obey God. It's an old trick of the devil. That's why the Pharisees always tried to ensnare, ensnare and entangle Jesus because they were fruit inspectors, but they didn't even see the corruptness in their own fruit. Look at verse 36. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. That's terrifying. And if we truly believe this, guys, we would talk a lot less. <laughs> we would wait for the words to speak because we can get ourselves in real trouble. Look at verse 38. Then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees, hear these guys go again, answered saying, Master, we would see a sign from heaven. So now they're asking Jesus for a sign. Look at verse 39. But he answered and said unto them, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So that's the only sign the Lord would give him. Look at the word adulterous, guys. This is G3428. That word means an adulteress as an intimate alliance of God uh, with the people of Israel. Then it says, was likened to a marriage. It says those who relapse into idolatry are said to commit adultery or play the harlot. So it's a harlot, an adulteress. Okay, and then it says um, equivalent to faithless, to God, unclean, and an apostate. So he says that those individuals seek after a sign. Okay, then that's what we got to be careful of. We've got to go according to the sign that Jesus Christ had given. And what did he give him? The sign of Jonas, which was what? Had everything to do with Jesus's death, burial, and three days in the earth, and his resurrection. That would be the sign that we should seek after, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he conquered death, hell, and the grave to save you and I, that you and I may one day conquer death, hell, and the grave. The Lord says, that's the only sign that I'm gonna give you. Look at verse, um, uh, verse 40. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. So Nineveh, who was a wicked city, heard the truth of the gospel, repented and got right, okay? They all repented as a nation. And he says that they're gonna, they're gonna be able to condemn these self-righteous Pharisees, because at least 
they've had sense enough to hear the truth and to repent. But he says a greater than Jonas is here. Who is that? Jesus Christ. Look at verse 42. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. That is Jesus. When an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. Then he saith, I will return into my house whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. No Holy Ghost. So in other words, he's saying that when we let unclean spirits in and we happen to do away with them, the worst thing we can do is be a hypocrite and allow them to come back in. He says, because if they bring, look at verse 45, then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. So it's dangerous for us to hear the truth or to hear the wisdom of the Lord and to do outside of what the Lord calls us to, because the Bible tells us in 1 John 4 about the spirit of truth and then the spirit of error. If we refuse to hear the truth, then will come in the spirit of error and you will believe that you're in the truth and you're going to preach it as such. So we must be careful with this. Because if we get rid of unclean spirits and we allow them to come back in our lives, we go back to what we were. You know, we, we stop being the righteous trees that God wants us to. We don't keep our eyes fastened on Jesus. We'd rather get to a place of being religious, self-righteous, and outwardly appearing to be righteous than we are going to cause ourselves to be snared. That's important. You'll be worse than you were before when you turn away from the truth. He says, while he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak to thee. But he answered and said unto him that told him, who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand towards his disciples and said, behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my father, which is in heaven, the same as my brother and sister and mother. What was Jesus Christ showing us? His true family, those who are truly disciples, those who are yielding themselves to the process of being changed are the only family that Jesus has. Only those who are led by the spirit, seeking the spirit, desiring to live after righteousness and walk with the Lord. But those who outwardly appeared, look at how they got shut down. Those who wanted to outwardly be clean, but inwardly, they were filthy. And that's why the Lord says, man, clean the inside of the cup. Don't try and look good on the outside because there is nothing from without a man that can defile a man except that which is in a man. The Lord wants us to become truly righteous trees, not caught up in outwardly looking good, and definitely not caught up in being fruit inspectors, watching other people when our own fruit have been corrupted. That's what we better pay attention to. Nothing wrong with correction, but it's how you correct. What is the intent behind the heart? 
That's what God is going to look at. All right, so let's move on. Let's go to Galatians chapter two. Galatians chapter two. We only got one enemy, amen, Sister Sarah. Paul says we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. So why would why would a person even take the time to get in an argument to try and expose some things that got nothing to do with what we're really attacking, which is the devil? Man, that's what you call majoring and minors. And I got a teaching coming up with that. Galatians chapter two, look at verse one. He says, then 14 years after I went up again, to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. So why did he go to them privately? Because he wanted them to know what was what. He didn't want to put them on blast, put them on the spot. He wanted to tell them what they needed to know so that way there wouldn't be any, you know, people coming in trying to corrupt it and destroy what Paul came to do. Look at verse three. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily or sneakily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus that they might bring us into bondage. So this is a kind of like a Pharisee. You see the reason why Paul went to them privately? Because of these false brethren crept in unawares who come in sneakily, privily to spy out your liberty. Like, let's just say, you know, Sister Sarah is, you know, she has a little routine that she does. You know, she'll read the Bible, she'll pray, then she may even put on some Christian music or something for praise. And then she goes and does that. But if I'm somebody that, let's just say, I want Sarah to join in with, with Sound the Trumpet, okay, or just a ministry, I'm going to go out and spy out her liberty. Why is she so happy in the Lord? Why is the Lord using her to preach and do things like this? You know what? She should be a part of this. She should be a part of a church. So I'm gonna go and spy out her liberty. I don't want you doing this. This is not what you should be doing. You should be with us because we are the ones how it, this is how it should be. That's what you call spying out someone's liberty. But what's the goal? To bring you into bondage. It's not a goal to see you grow and be edified in Christ. I want her not to be subject to the Lord, but to be subject to me. That's what you call filthy, but that's what was going on. What was the problem with the Galatians? The Galatians believed that they, they believed in Jesus Christ. They were baptized in the spirit. Okay, they were following the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you had some filthy Pharisees come in and tell them that they ought to keep the law of Moses and they can worship Jesus. What were they doing? trying to spy out their liberty that they may bring them into bondage and not in the liberty and growth in the spirit. That's what this is about. That's that religious spirit. To whom we gave place by subjection, no, 
not for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these who seem to be whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person, for they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. But contrary was, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me towards the Gentiles. And when James, Stephen, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go unto the heathen and they unto the uh, they to the circumcision. So an interesting thing about Paul, guys, is Paul was a persecutor of the church. Paul ended up getting right. Jesus Christ brought him in, cleaned him up. And when they saw Paul, they acknowledged him as a brother because Paul was doing the very things that they were doing. When Paul says, my assignment is to go unto the Gentiles, they welcomed Paul, like Peter and all these guys, they welcomed him. Like um, like Peter, you know, was welcomed for doing the same work in the Lord. Okay, so anyway, look at verse 10. Only they uh, would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Now, you see, Peter was considered, John and James, like pillars. They would have been ministers. They would have been considered like, you know, pastors. They were the guys who walked with Jesus that got things started, okay? So they were held in very high regard because they were the first apostles or disciples of Jesus Christ. But Paul says, hey, when I came to Antioch, I withstood Peter to the face because he was to be blamed. Paul at this point is no respecter of persons, but Paul stood him to the face. Okay, Paul didn't write a letter about him. Well, he did eventually. That was after addressing him. Paul didn't go to somebody else about Peter. Paul went to Peter and withstood him to the face before them all. Okay, because Peter was to be blamed. Let's see what Peter was to be blamed about. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself fearing them which were of the circumcision. So Peter became a racist because he feared, you know, the, uh, the Jews, okay? At one point he was accepting of the Gentiles, but he turned away from them and he began to fear the Jews. So he began to walk around self-righteous and ignore the Gentiles, okay? Look at verse 13. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. So Barnabas was a respecter of persons. He saw what Peter was doing and he stood with Peter because he thought Peter was some great one. But Paul, who kept his eyes focused on the Lord, has the right and the discernment to inspect the fruit of Peter because Peter was to be blamed. Look at verse 14. But when I saw that they walked not, uprightly, according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, okay? He says, if thou being a Jew, 
livest after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? So in other words, why are we, Peter, influencing people to be like Christ and you're not acting like Christ yourself? You're acting like a Gentile. So you see, there's nothing wrong with inspecting fruit, but you've got to inspect fruit righteously. He went to Peter to make it right. Why? Because Peter was publicly doing what he was doing. Paul wanted to let people know, hey, Peter, I'm not in line with you. I'm coming to withstand you to your face to tell you where you were wrong. There's nothing wrong with inspecting fruit, nothing wrong with telling people the truth, but you need to tell people straight up, okay, before you go and decide to go and, you know, try and keep it real. You need to inspect fruit and you need to tell people what is righteous, okay, because that's how the Lord works. When God has a problem with us and we won't hear the Lord, then he'll bring somebody to you, okay, but that's fine. But as long as you, if you call yourself a brother to another, then you need to address that brother. Okay, so anyway, look at uh, look at verse 16. He says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So guys, we've got to walk with Christ we can't be self-righteous. We've got to do what he says because there is no flesh that's gonna glory in the presence of God. We must be led by the spirit in that which we say, that which we preach, that which we judge, because according to what manner of judgment we give others, we are going to be judged. So let's move on. I wanna go to another space. Let's go to Matthew 15. Matthew chapter 15. You know, I don't mind criticism, but be man or woman enough to tell me. That's how I feel about it. And guys, this teaching is not about me. This is about, you know, encouraging brothers and sisters to, you know, help, you know, and, and to be encouraged to continue to go on serving the Lord, doing what he tells us to do, because you've got some people out there that just wanna spy out your liberty. They'll discourage you. That's what happens when you get saved and you give your life to the Lord. You'll even find family members will try and discourage you. That's not of God. That's not what God says. Oh, and you mean to say you're not even in a church building? Oh, you heathen. But you see, what do they come to do? You're, you're saved. You've got a personal relationship with the Lord. He'll lead you into the congregation he wants you to be in. But these self-righteous people only got one purpose in mind, to spy out your liberty that they may bring you into bondage. They want you to perform for them. You know, that's how they felt about Jesus. They wanted to correct Jesus constantly. That's how they felt about John the Baptist. And that's why Jesus asked them, what did you think when you came out here to see? Who did you think was going to represent me? They thought Jesus was supposed to be dressed in all white as a golden king, levitating as he walked on the ground, as the son of God comes to do what needs to be done. 
They wanted Jesus to probably be good looking, be very tall, and uphold the old Mosaic law, but they misunderstood Jesus. They thought John the Baptist, man, certainly a man dressed like that couldn't come to represent God. What's the problem? They're religious and self-righteous. They totally missed the message and what John stood for. And we can't let that happen to us, guys. Matthew 15, look at verse one. Then came to Jesus, scribes and Pharisees, which were in Jerusalem, saying, I mean, guys, these guys are everywhere. Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. My question is, what do you care? Go do what you need to do with you. Why are you here? What is the purpose of why you're saying this? Why are you even hanging around long enough just to see if I wash my hands before I eat? These self-righteous Pharisees. Look at verse three. But he answered and said unto them, why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your traditions? He says, for God commanded saying, honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, whosoever shall say to his father or to his mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. And honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. But, he, but have ye made of the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition? So you see, it's tradition, it's religion that gets in the way of the things that God wants us to do. I have found some of the most controlling, self-righteous, judgmental people are people that don't even have their own situation in order. They don't have control in certain areas in their lives, so they want to come to control yours. This is typical of a hypocrite, guys. But you see, this is the thing here that Jesus is saying, you guys keep the commandments that you wanna keep. Most of them are traditions of men, but you're not keeping the very things that God is telling you to keep, like honor your mother and father. There is no excuse that you and I can make for not honoring mother and father. To honor them does not mean that you agree with them with everything. It does not mean that you must uh, obey what they said if it's outside of what God says, but it says to honor them. It is to hold them in high regard. Regard. It is to respect them. You can't cancel out that part of scripture because of the fact that you feel like you're in the right. God is gonna ask you, why didn't you honor your mother and father? That does not mean agree, but you will respect them. Look at verse seven, ye hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah's prophesy of you say, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So you see, we can draw nigh unto God with our mouths. We can really act like we are some righteous people, guys. We can say all the righteous little slogans that go on in church, but what is the intent behind the heart? He says they honor him with their lips. Oh, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, but then they can't hear Jesus, neither will they serve Jesus. They will serve their own flesh and what's really in their hearts. He says their hearts are far from him. They don't even understand who Jesus is. Look at verse nine, but in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines and commandments of men. 
and called the multitude and said, and he called the multitude and said unto them, hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth the man. So we must be righteous from the inside out. We must be cleaned out that we can do the righteous works of the Lord. We cannot be self-righteous. We don't we just wanna outwardly look good. We want to truly be good because we are partakers of the divine nature of Jesus Christ. That's what this is about, guys. The Pharisees were so stuck on, well, we wash our hands, but these filthy people don't. And the Lord's pretty much saying, if you saw the filth that was in you, you wouldn't be saying that. But you see, this is how you strain at a net and you swallow a camel. This is how you major in minors. This is how you misunderstand the wisdom of God, how he sent John the Baptist, how he sent Jesus Christ. These are things that we ought to pay attention to that we don't misunderstand God. And you're only gonna get that when you submit to him as a righteous tree to get yourself cleaned out that you may grow those peaceable fruit. There's nothing wrong with inspecting fruit, but what is the intent behind the fruit that you inspect? Is it to make right? Is it to clean? Is it to edify? Is it to set free? Or is it to puff me up and push them down? We all must examine, guys, what is in the heart. He says, then came to his disciples and said unto him, knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone, that, uh, let them alone. Uh, they be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into a ditch. So you see Jesus's response? Hey, I'm telling them, they don't wanna hear it. So let the blind lead their blind. They say, well, didn't you realize you offended the Pharisees, the self-righteous leaders of the day? Jesus said, hey, you know, all I know is every plant that my father didn't plant is gonna be rooted up. Jesus was no respecter of persons because Jesus's whole intent was to set them free. When they didn't want it, Jesus went on to do what he was called to do. That's what he was about, the father's business. He was about setting captives free. He was about restoring sight to the blind. He was about setting free the captives, you know, those in the prison houses, bruising those, I mean, healing those that are bruised. He was about doing his father's will. And we've got to be in that way too. But we must monitor what is in the heart because you can set out to want to do right. But if your heart's not right, you're only going to bring forth corrupt fruit. Let's go to Matthew 11 and let's look at verse seven. Man, every now and then, man, when I feel that self-righteousness kick up in me, I'm like, Lord, man, help get rid of this. You know, because I'm not going to act like I was once self-righteous, but now I can see that I'm not. No, there are areas in my flesh that I can still be self-righteous. I can still feel like a know-it-all. I can still feel like nobody can tell me anything. Those are areas in the flesh that need to be exercised that you and I are going to fight through until these things have been fully subdued in Christ. I'm not saying this to hurt anybody or pinpoint anybody. This is something that we all need to know. 
Look at Matthew 11, look at verse seven. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, what went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken in the wind? Or what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. Here's another thing that I want to explain that we may have some understanding, guys. This has a lot to do with even how people perceive us. Don't you, excuse me, don't you know that a coward himself hates somebody that is bold and strong towards God? Don't you know that they will look at you like, you know, you're just way too rough. You're way too hard. You're not loving enough. You're not understanding enough. But the true intent behind why the Lord does what he does or he uses us in that way is because he knows that he's warring against the devil. You cannot let people identify you. Your identity must be in Christ. Many times people have preached and said disempowering messages to me about, well, maybe if you showed a little more love, or this is real funny how they'll do it. They'll go and find some, you know, some pastor and they'll say, this guy, you see how he speaks real soft and it's easy to receive. You know who you are in Christ, you may start feeling like, man, I'm wrong. I Maybe I, I shouldn't preach so hard and tell people the truth. This is how the devil disempowers you. You've got to know who you are in Jesus Christ. Because people, when they inspect, it doesn't mean that their hearts are right. You got to know what he's called you to do. He says, but if you're looking for those men in soft clothing, they're in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see, a prophet? Yea, and I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thee the way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there have not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if ye will receive it, this is Elijah, which was for to come. So we know that John the Baptist and Jesus Christ, I mean, John the Baptist and Elijah walked in the same spirit. Who was Elijah? Who was John the Baptist? They were nobodies that God called them to preach the word. God separated them. He led them into a place of living in the wilderness, that they were led by the spirit in doing what God says. But you see how these guys wouldn't have fit in religious circles today, because the question always comes back to, well, who are you? Who are you to judge? Who are you to say such things? You see, it's the self-righteous attitude. Never mind who it is that's saying it. You know, what message are they preaching? This is where we need to have the glaze taken off of our eyes, no preconceived notions about the Lord, and then read the Lord according to his word and understand him and be led by his spirit. Because if we go to religious settings and we see a man is in a suit and tie and we think that's a Christian, there are a lot of people, man, some of the best suited men in the world are hypocrites and false prophets. Some of the most soft-spoken people in the world are hypocrites and false prophets. We can't judge with the eyes, 
we've got to judge with the discernment of spirit of what is of God and what is not. Okay. So anyway, Jesus says, uh, and if uh, ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was uh, for to come. He that have ears to hear, let him hear. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, we have piped unto you and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you and ye have not lamented. For John came neither eating or drinking and, uh, and they uh, say that he hath the devil. He says the son of man came eating and drinking and they say, behold, a man gluttonous and a wine bibber a wine bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. So let's get some understanding concerning this. Jesus is saying that people are not gonna pretty much receive you however you are. You must have your identity in him. He says, we piped and you have not danced. We mourned and you have not lamented. This is the generation that we're dealing with today. We're dealing with people pleasers. We're dealing with outwardly performing people that don't care about the inside. We're dealing with self-righteous people that want you to come up to their standards, but you've got to obey what God has called you to do. Jesus said, John neither came eating or drinking, and you guys call him a devil. So in other words, John the Baptist was more righteous than any Pharisee, inwardly and outwardly. But Jesus came eating and drinking. So Jesus did drink wine. How much wine he drank, I don't know. But the bottom line is he wasn't a drunk, okay? But they wouldn't have called him a drunkard if he didn't drink wine. So our Lord Jesus Christ had an occasional glass of wine, okay? But the fact of the matter is here that Jesus is saying, I came eating and I came drinking and you didn't receive me. So what's the problem? The problem lies within the individual who needs to check himself before he can go out and outwardly do what God says. My uncle told a story one time about how there was a man, okay, with his son. They were walking in the desert. Um, the, the, a man was riding on the, um, an, an old man and a young boy. The old man was riding on a donkey and the young boy was walking beside the donkey as they were pulling it. So somebody, they went into a town and the townspeople said, well, you know, why is that young man walking and the old man on the, uh, on the donkey? They need to switch that around. That's not right. Let the young man ride. So the old man got down and the young man got on and they went into another city. And what happened? You know, people said, look at that selfish young man with that old man walking. They need to actually, you know, uh, give up their seat so that the old man can ride. So finally, they just said, you know what, let's settle it. They left that town, went into another town. They were both walking and leading a donkey. And what did the people say in the next town? Man, look at these two people foolishly walking when they've got a donkey that can carry them. You can't please people, guys. You can't live for people. You cannot perform for people. You've got to find out what God has for you and do what the Lord says. Know your identity in hand because the devil is going to attack with fiery darts. 
He's going to try and penetrate your faith. He's going to penetrate or try to that blessed, that breastplate of righteousness. He's going to try and take off that helmet of salvation. He's going to try and get you to the place where you won't even know which end is up because you have performed for men. Well, you know what? Thank the Lord that in this ministry, we don't have a whole bunch of views. You know, at times it can be discouraging, but I also thank the Lord for it. You know why? Because whether people listen in or not, I'm gonna preach the gospel. It used to be very discouraging how people would have thousands of views and man, you can barely scratch 30 or 40 or 20 or whatever. You know what? It doesn't matter. If I'm preaching to Christ, I'm hoping that someone can come online, hear the word, give their lives to the Lord and go in and, and believe Christ and make it to heaven. That's my concern. When you want to perform for men and their standards, guys, I'm telling you, you will never, ever, ever please men. You better find out what the will of God is for your life and do what he calls you to do because the devil's going to try and penetrate your armor, but he's going to do it through the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. If those were his tactics in those days. He's going to use them today. He's going to send people to you to discourage you from keeping the faith. Why haven't I been baptized in the Holy Spirit yet? Why is this happening? Maybe I'm not righteous. Maybe I'm not worthy. No, you keep on spending time with the Lord. Don't get discouraged. He says, if you seek, I mean, if you ask, he says, believe in faith and you will receive it. But you see, people will tell you, you're no good. There's no way you can make it in. You think God is going to accept a backslider like you after you've done this again and again? You know what? Call those people out. Get out of my face. I'm on this road again and I'm going to walk with the Lord and I'm not going to let anybody pull me down. I'm going to continue to strive and obey the Lord and forsake my sin, and he'll remove them one after another. But after that, he will make you righteous. Strive, guys. Run your race with patience. Don't perform for men. Don't let men pull you out there. Obey the Lord, because after all, he is the only one that knows how to win a soul. Jesus says here, wisdom is justified of her children. If you don't see the wisdom of God and why he's doing what he's doing, if you choose to strain your eyes at a gnat and swallow a camel, if you choose to major in minors and fight against your own when you should be going after the devil, man, you're not even a man. And I'm here to tell you that you're not even a woman. You're not even who God has called you to be. You gotta get the Ahab and Jezebel that Saul, that Herodias, that Eve, that Delilah, you've got to get that mess out of your soul to get right with Christ that you can grow as a righteous tree. Too many people are inspecting fruit today and they can't even look at the man in the mirror and see what he's about. You want the Antichrist? Deal with the man brushing his, brushing his teeth in the mirror. Get sanctified. Let your righteousness be fulfilled in Christ. And then you can go out and tell people what they need to know. Thank you, Jesus. Look at verse 20. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. You see that? 
Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon uh, at that day of judgment than for you. And thou, and thou Capernaum, he says, which art exalted unto heaven shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom and it had been remained, I mean, uh, it would have remained unto this day. So he's saying, even if Sodom and Gomorrah would have repented and had the chance to really hear, and I'm not gonna say they didn't know wrong from right, but the point being brought here, that many of them, the people that are, you know, self-righteous today are against, you know, uh, what God is doing. Sodom and Gomorrah was burned to the ground, but if they would have heard what you're hearing now, what Jesus is saying, they would have repented and got right. He said that's he would have remained. So in other words, God has revealed himself more to us. He's given us an example in the person of Jesus Christ. He's given us his written word. We have many examples of how to be in Christ. There's no excuse for an unrepentant person that wants to outwardly perform, but not choose to seek a one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus. Look at verse 25. He says, and at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them unto babes. You see that? The God resists the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. When you think you got a lot, you know a lot of wisdom and you got all this stuff going on, man, God don't work with people like that. You've got to become empty so that you can be filled. So he said, man, I resist the proud and the wise, but Jesus said, God reveals them unto babes. Those who are willing to sit and to learn and to grow in his grace will be those people that will reap the benefits of what God calls us that we can be as righteous trees. He says, even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will be revealed. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So Jesus is telling you, all those who are sick of religion, all those who are trying to go by their own wisdom and righteousness, he said, man, forget them, come unto me. All those who labor in the flesh, all those who are striving to try and be righteous. And he says, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How does he give us rest? He makes us partaker of the Holy Ghost that we may not strive to be Christians, but we may grow in his grace to be what the Lord calls us to. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Learn of Christ, because a lot of people have their own views of who Jesus Christ is. A lot of people want to perform and want to show you how to come up to their standards. We must get to the place of learning of Jesus that there may be rest for our souls, okay? He says that he is meek and lowly in heart, you know? So that's how we ought to be 
when it comes to serving the Lord. Look at verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But you see, the Pharisees, they would make people twofold the child of hell. They would come to push you up to their standards and they wouldn't even lift one of their burdens with their fingers. You see, they see and do not. I mean, or they speak and do not. We've got to get to the place of being authentic that we may be what God calls us to. Because you got a lot of people out there that want you to follow them. You better follow Christ and let God lead you into good teachers. That's why I thank God for people like Pastor Price who brought the truth to me that I would grow. And I'm continuing to grow, you know, and he's continuing to use us and work with us. But that's what this is about. Let the Lord lead you to teachers because you know what? Pastor Price doesn't exactly qualify in the religious mind either. You see, if we wanted to be self-righteous fruit inspectors, we wouldn't be listening to him either. Pastor Price does not fit the mold of your average minister that goes out there. Price is a man of God that preaches the word, tells the truth, tells it like it is, but he also practices what he preaches. Never mind what he said. Is it edifying? Is it bringing me to the truth? Has it helped me grow? I'm a witness that it has in my life, so I don't care what anybody says about Pastor Price. I see the wisdom in what the Lord has given me, and that's what I'm going according to. But if you listen to all these self-righteous people out there, well, he don't speak the way that we would like him to speak. He doesn't exactly present himself with that kind of love, so therefore we may have to disregard him. Hey, you disregard him. I'm eating up what the man is saying because God has given it to him. And I'm not some priceite where he said it. So I'm here trying to brown nose him for a position. What position could I get? We've been doing this with us for as long as we have until the Lord had our paths crossed. But the bottom line is I'm not pushing up any man. I'm pushing up the true gospel and the righteousness that is in Christ Jesus. Because a lot of people are going to say things about you. A lot of people are going to accuse you. A lot of people are going to try to ensnare you and disempower you. But if you've got your identity in Christ, you don't have to worry about what man is saying and what he does. It plays no bearing on your walk whatsoever. None. It is all about your personal relationship of being full of Christ, having him grow in you that you may do what he tells you to. Thank you, Jesus. Look at Matthew 22. And in your spare time, guys, read John 11, okay? And read John 12, how they sought to kill Lazarus because Jesus rose him from the dead. Man, you want to talk about self-righteousness. That's about as low and as dirty as you can possibly be. Matthew 22, look at verse 15. I'm not angry, guys. You know, I love people, but one thing I hate to see is infighting. I hate to see if we're the body of Christ, that we try and hurt one another when we should be fighting together. And this is how the devil is because of our stupid pride, because of the things that we want, the things how we want to be seen, how we can't stand our brother, when really, if you see your brother doing something wrong, tell him what's right. You know, don't be a hypocrite. 
Matthew 22, look at verse 15. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. Here they go, these fruit inspectors. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians saying, Master, we know that thou art true and teacheth the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, but thou regardest not the person of man. So they said all that to say what? They're trying to fatten Jesus up for the kill. They're trying to entangle him in his talk, trying to butter him up. Look at verse 17. Tell us therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, you see the discernment there, guys? Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Shew me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he saith unto them, whose is this image and superscription? They say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's. You see the wisdom of Jesus Christ? They tried to ensnare him to put him on a collision course with Caesar. They wanted Jesus to say the wrong thing so that Caesar could kill him. Jesus said, ain't no harm, no foul here. Whose superscription is on this? Whose face is on this coin? Caesar. Well, hey, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's and give unto the Lord that which is the Lord's. Look at verse 22. When they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. The same day came to him the Sadducees. They wouldn't even give Jesus a break. Here's some more fruit inspectors, which say that there is no resurrection and asked him, saying, Master, Moses said, if a man die, having no children, uh, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were uh, with us seven brethren, and the first, when he had married a wife, deceased, and having no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third unto the seventh. And last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be? Of the seven, <laughs> uh, for they all had her. Now, you see, when you are a fruit inspector and a self-righteous Pharisee, you're going to bring up things that have nothing. Look at this ridiculous question. Just to try and ensnare Jesus. You're going to bring up all these crazy possibilities because you don't want to submit to the process that Jesus Christ is Lord, he makes us right, and he is going to, through his grace and his spirit, build us up to be made right. So instead, the Sadducees, who don't believe in the resurrection, all right, of the Lord, are saying, well, if a man married a wife, and then he died, then another married, and another married, whose wife will she be? You know, and they all had her. So, you know, what they were trying to do here, the Sadducees, was to excuse themselves on marriage and divorce, was to say, well, see, if that a thing happened, now I can leave my wife, right? You see the hypocrisy? You see the filth in what they're preaching? The whole goal was to try and ensnare Jesus that they can stay on in their filthy sin. But look at this in verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. 
For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as of the angels or as the angels of God in heaven. So there'll be no marrying and giving into marriage in the resurrection. We are going to be as the angels. He says, but as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read that which was spoken unto you by God saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Look at how they could not contest the wisdom of God. They were trying to get their own will done, but didn't even understand what God was saying, what Jesus was trying to let them know. You're asking about marriage and divorce in heaven when you don't even understand that there is no marriage in heaven. We will be married to the lamb. That is be That will be the only marriage. And that's the only marriage that's going to endure beyond the grave. Look at verse 33. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. But when the Pharisees had heard that he put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. So what happens? Here comes more fruit inspectors, more people trying to contend with Christ instead of, instead of just learning of him, submitting to the process, you know, that they can be made right. The people want to argue with his wisdom. So anyway, it says, look at verse 35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment of the Lord. Guys, if you really get an understanding of what the first and great commandment of the Lord is, about loving the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And then the Luke account, it says, with all your strength. That means to give all things over to Jesus, to let him govern your life. Lord, I love you. What I need to do is address my life from this standpoint. Does my life glorify you or does my life, you know, allow you to condemn me? Is my life for you? Am I living in accordance to your will? or the will of myself, or something else. When you love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, that means that you allow the Lord to govern your mind, your will, and your emotions, and your intellect. Jesus Christ becomes your everything, so everything that comes into your circle with you and Jesus has got to be right. It's got to be heading in the same direction. It's got to be the Spirit of God that teaches us what we need to know. And he says, the second, and this is the first and great commandment of the law, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Instead of worrying about men, how we're gonna be perceived of men or the world, we should be worried about how we live and what we do towards God. Because Jesus says, if we're righteous trees, we're gonna bring forth good fruit. But if we're evil and corrupt trees, we're going to bring forth evil fruit. So we've got, he says, by their fruit, you will know them. But when you love the Lord your God with your heart, with your mind, with your soul, and with all your strength, that is to truly give all things over to the Lord. You care what he thinks more than anything. You want more time with him than with anyone else. You wait to hear from his words 
more than you hear the instructions from anyone or anything else. So the second is to love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What did Jesus do? He broke down the 10 commandments that the Pharisees may understand that this is the true law of God. This is what God had in mind from the very beginning, that we would love him with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, so much so that we allow him to change us because we believe on what he says and we love our neighbor as ourselves because the love given by God will be distributed unto men. That's how we become righteous trees. Look at verse 41. While the, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, what think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They said unto him, the son of David. He saith unto them, how then doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? So what was Jesus trying to tell them, guys? I am God. I am the Messiah. I'm who you're going to answer to one day. You guys love Moses. You guys love, you know, um, David. You guys love all those of the old lineage, but he that is greater than them all is here before you. Get to know me. This is what Jesus was bringing them. This is what he was showing them. This is what he's showing you and I, that we need to be made as righteous trees that we may inspect fruit, whether they be righteous or not. You need the mind of Christ to do these things and to walk with the Lord. But the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all these groups, they wanted to contend with him. And there's no need for that. If you believe Jesus, walk with Jesus, grow in his grace. Stop fighting your brother over stupidness while the devil is building his army around us to destroy us. Look at verse 46. And no man was able to answer him a word. Neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. Why? Because they could not contend with the wisdom of God. Jesus was also asked when the disciples, I mean, when the Pharisees contended with Jesus, they said, well, by what authority do you do these things? Don't you know that there are people that are going to ask you and I the same thing? By what authority? Who are you to speak up and say what you're saying? Where's your seminary education? You're not a pastor. You're not this or that. That's the religious self-righteous mindset. But you see, Jesus said, let me ask you a question before you ask me that. He says the baptism of John, did it come from heaven or did it come from men? And you see immediately their minds went to work. Well, if we say that you know it came from heaven, he'll ask, why didn't we believe John? And if he says it came from men, or you know, if it came from men, a lot of people perceive John as a prophet. So, you know, they they feared the people. So, you know what they said to Jesus? We cannot tell. And Jesus says, Neither, neither I tell you, or neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. Because Jesus owed no man nothing. Jesus was led of the Father, full of his Father, made whole that he knew what his purpose was, and he went forward doing the will of the Father. But you gotta watch these brethren crept in unawares, who only have one purpose in mind, and that is to spy out your liberty. That is to get you to become their servant and not the servant of Jesus Christ. We better beware, 
and we better look at what's inside of us because you see, it's those things that are from within will defile men. But if we give all things over to Christ, he will change us and make us right. That out of our mouths will speak righteousness. We will live a life that glorifies God. We will do all things that he tells us to because there is no greater witness of the gospel than how the Lord is living in your life, my life. We need to look at the man in the mirror, which is a teaching I've got coming up probably next week. But that's what we better pay attention to because you see the enemy is from within and we've got to work on that if we wanna be made right. Let's see if I got anything more. Um, in your spare time, guys, read John 9, verses 1 through 41 about the blind man. The blind man was healed of Jesus Christ, and the Pharisees were all over his case, mocking him, making fun of him, you know, and telling him that it is not okay to heal on the Sabbath day. You know, they, they just stayed on people. They missed the wisdom of God. They couldn't even see the miracles because they were so blind to self. You don't want that to happen. You don't want that to happen in your life. Stop majoring in minors. But anyway, the thing that happened with this guy was the Lord, you know, healed him. And, you know, uh, his family were even afraid of, um, they wanted to see if the miracle was real. The man's family said, yeah, he was born blind, but now he sees. And what happened? Um, because of the people feared the Pharisees, they said, well, yeah, maybe you should ask him because they didn't want to get kicked out of the synagogue. But this man confessed Christ, a blind man. Yes, he restored my sight. And yes, I believe on him. And he was kicked out of the synagogue. And when he was kicked out of the synagogue, guess who came to see him? It was Jesus Christ himself that said, hey, man, if you believe on me, you will have eternal life. Do you believe? And the man said, yes, I do. Another interesting thing in John chapter five was Jesus quoted five words to that man. Will thou be made whole? What was that? That was grace. The Lord was bestowing grace upon him. We've got to be wise enough to see what that is when God extends his grace to you and I. And then he says, arise, take up thy bed and walk. Jesus made him you know, over his circumstances. He made him a champion over his circumstances. The bed once had that man, but now the bed, I mean, the, the bed had the man that was stricken with the infirmity. Sorry, guys. But then, you know, he had the bed. God made him victory or victorious over his circumstances. So, you know, what was that seven, the last seven words? That was the completion of the work of the spirit that if we submit to God, he will fill us with himself, that we will be made whole. That is the whole goal. We only inspect fruit to reprove of sin and to help others be made whole. That's the goal. But we must understand the grace of Jesus Christ, how he has given us time to get to know him, draw closer to him and be like him. Because one thing I recognize about people that are doing the will of the Lord they don't have time to worry about a lot of other stuff. And they definitely don't have time to attack the brethren because they're concerned about what God has called them to do. Their word is to encourage and to edify that they may help others to grow to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. So guys, get to know the Lord while we can. 
spend time with Jesus. Let him inspect our fruit that we may become righteous fruit inspectors, that we may tell people what they need to know simply for edifying. That's all this is about. This is coming out of love. This is coming out of stop fighting your brother and stay focused on the devil and who needs correction. You know, because the church is not gonna be as people think. You're gonna find a lot of people at home worshiping the Lord because it's gonna be dangerous to go to church. You're gonna find a lot of underground gospel taking place. That's why I'm in support of what Pastor Price is doing. Let's get this Deuteronomy's Tabernacle up and running, that we can be empowered to be full, to do what God says. Because if we step outside of that, and we fighting and devouring and, and trying to hurt one another, man, that's a coward. Our job is to walk with the Lord and to help others to grow to the fullness of Christ. So guys, if you know you're not saved and nobody knows this more than you, give your life to Jesus Christ today while there is time. Repent of your sins, turn from your wicked ways. Believe that Jesus Christ is coming back for a church without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. Believe that he is the only way to be saved. Believe that if we confess our sins, our God is faithful and just, to forgive us of those sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, you know, believe in his, uh, believe that he's coming back and guys get baptized, spend time with God because we've got a new year coming upon us where the devil man is coming to wreak havoc. We got a teaching coming up called the devil's wrath. A lot of people think the devil's wrath is him going out, cutting heads off and doing all that stuff. No. The devil is going to lead and entice a lot of people through his false love, through his false peace. He's going to try and draw you in with this false love doctrine just to try and ensnare you that you may be subject to him, that he may destroy you. That's what the devil's wrath looks like. That's the best that Satan can do. He's going to come in peace, as the Bible says of the Antichrist, and he is going to destroy many. We better open our eyes and our ears and see what is that we may not be asleep in these coming days. So guys, I love you. That's the lesson for tonight. If anybody has a prayer request or anything that they have in need, Lord, I just pray that, you know, you, you give them the courage to confess it, that we may, you know, be able to pray for them and help them to walk with the Lord. So, you know, thank you, Jesus. Let's pray and we're going to go out from there. Heavenly Father, Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for this time of sharing. We thank you for the word of God that is able to save our souls. So, Lord, we commit this time to you, Lord, that if I said anything in error, if I said anything in the flesh, if I said anything that wasn't edifying, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you show me that I may repent of it, that I may be in good standing with you. And I pray for the brothers and sisters that are out there, Lord, those who are striving, those who are doing what they think is right. I pray that you shine brighter light in their lives, that they may pursue you and do all that you call them to. And I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for my sister, Melissa. I thank you for Sister Sarah, Sister Naima, Sister Tara, Lord, and all those, Lord, Sister Tanisha, Sister Latoya, Sister Tatiana, Lord. I thank you for all my sisters out there, Lord, Sister Barbara, Sister Naomi, those who are out there, Sister Dana, that are walking with you, Lord, you know, growing in your grace, doing your will. 
I pray, Lord, that you place an anointing upon these women that they may be mighty, mighty women of God. Sister Teresa in Texas, Lord, and if I've missed anyone so far tonight, Lord, I pray that you hit them in the head with your gospel. I pray that you saturate them, that you build them up. And I wanna pray for the men of God, all those that are going to the Man Up Conference that I will meet for the first time and all those that I know already. Pastor Price, Brother Sal, Brother Darrell, Lord, Brother Timothy, Brother West, Brother Derek, Brother Cord, Brother Charles, I pray, Lord, that you strengthen these men, Brother Rashid, Brother Jeremiah, Brother Baines. I pray, Lord, that you raise up these mighty men, that you place a special anointing upon their lives, Lord, that they may be full of you, that they may bear your image, that they may have your gentleness when winning souls, but that they may have your strength to cleave unto the sword and to go out in a mission impossible, believing you every step of the way as we slay the dragon. I pray, Lord, and I ask that all these things be done for our mighty brethren and sisters in the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, you know, guys, that's gonna wrap it up for tonight. I wanna also encourage people to get the organic gospel book by Pastor Price and Sister Maisha Hunter to show that the gospel itself is organic. You cannot try to be a Christian, okay? You've got to go through the process of growth and grace, spending time with the Lord, being more like him and doing all that he calls us to, that we may bear his image. This book is $13.95. You can get it at www.theorganicgospel.net. Okay, it's a great read, guys. Don't cheat yourself, treat yourself. So I just wanna say with that, guys, I'm Minister Derek Howard of Sound the Trumpet Ministries. SoundTheTrumpetMinistries.com. And um, I just want to say I love you all. Tomorrow night's teaching is going to be called Nakushten. Okay. And I'm not going to tell you the meaning of it. Tune in and find out what it's about. So, Sister Sarah, Sister Melissa was on tonight. Sister Tanisha, uh, Sister Latoya, Brother Rock T um, in Australia. And also, uh, brother Greg in Italy. I forgot all about those brothers. You know, Lord, watch over them and guide them. Uh, let's see, Sister Dawn, my sister and her husband, Randy. Lord, I pray that you bless them and guide them. Brother Darrell, uh, who else was on tonight? Sister Naima, Sister Teresa in Texas. Brother Sal, I just pray, Lord, that you watch over these brethren and sisters. Tomorrow night's teaching will be at 7 p.m. Um, Pacific time, 10 p.m. Eastern time. So I just want to say to you all, I love you. And at least until tomorrow night, don't forsake your prayer closets and have a good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.